Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant, and for those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and am the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. I work with survivors who are sick and tired of feeling broken and unfixable, and I help them let go of the pain of abuse and move on with their lives. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at rachelgrantcoaching.com. In this week's episode, we conclude our conversation with Ann Cuthbert, creator of the Food Freedom Program, as she continues to share with us amazing steps that we can take to overcome food and weight obsession. All right, step three. So step three is to eat without distractions. And this can bring up a lot of stuff for people. So let me tell you the how-to of it, and it's pretty much as it sounds. You know, um, just it's to eat, to eat mindfully, to pay attention to what you're eating. Let the book wait for later. Um, don't watch TV or work, anything. No distractions at all, just sit and even at the table and some of my clients have set up, you know, candles and really mm-hmm. treated themselves to a meal that's about about them. So it's about you and and enjoying the food. You know, if you're gonna eat what you want and eat what your body says, hey, this sounds delicious, then it's really important to to enjoy every bite. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And it's also sometimes you'll find you're not liking it. And then it's like, you know, I don't want to eat this. This doesn't taste good. And so you're honoring what you want and, and getting that. So that it's a self-care thing. It's um, putting yourself first. Um, just I'll try to be brief about this funny story, but I – uh, was at a restaurant and I was trying to choose between two items and I asked the waitress which one's better and she said oh don't get that that one that one's terrible nobody likes it well it is the one I wanted my body was saying that's the one I want so I ordered it anyway and she was right it, it was terrible <laughs> no it's why didn't even have this on the menu but I asked for something else I said you're right this is terrible I don't want it can I have that other thing and and they did, and it was hard. You know, I just say, hey, I'm worth eating what I want and what tastes good, mm-hmm. and um, and then she honored that and didn't complain. So, um, so so it's really important to eat what you want. People who overeat um, will eat things that they don't even like. Hmm. Um, so the other important aspect to this is this is about you know well how many of you and you can't really answer because you're on mute, but. Um, just notice, have you ever eaten food and then after eating, kind of felt totally unsatisfied and you start looking for for something else? I, I want something else. Or, yeah. you know, there's even a feeling of, did I even eat? You don't even really remember eating. And that's because of this step. You, When you eat by, when you're watching TV or reading, you're not paying attention to what you're eating. And so in a way, your body is like, I never got anything. I never got the satisfaction. And food is delicious. So it's important that we feel satisfied by it. And, and emotionally as well. There's nothing wrong with being emotionally satisfied by food. Um, so when you eat without distractions, you get to have the food. Your body gets to have it. And that's where it helps you to, to feel satisfied and not want to just keep eating. Keep going. Well, I have to say, and this would be a tough one for me. I think I'm going to get stuck mm-hmm. at step three for a while. Because <laughs> I <laughs> love, like, sitting down for a good movie with my dinner and, you know, watching the show and eating my meal. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yes. And I would guess for you and anybody else who's feeling the same way, that it comes down to loneliness. Hmm. Wanting to so, have for example, I, wanting to have something yes. around, so it's not just yes. yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. As well as you know, any any beliefs that you have about you know yourself. You know, when when we we don't spend a lot of time just with ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, or just sitting and doing nothing. But doing nothing and being with ourselves is how we learn how we feel or, or those feelings start to surface. Mm-hmm. I think also, for me too, like I really grew up that way. I really grew up like family sitting in front of the TV eating dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in some ways it's it's a little bit, the like that's how I remember being a part of a family yeah. or being connected. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's one of those bad habits, right, that I'm going to get the opportunity to challenge now and really take yes. on. Seeing what's, and, how it's different for me if I do something different, yeah. Absolutely. And I imagine, you may not know it, but I imagine you felt lonely as a kid in that and, situation. Uh, ah. And you're good. Look at you being good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So exactly. doing this, I had a client who did this, and she she really felt that loneliness. But she she sat at the table with her dinner, you know, night after night, 
and felt the loneliness, and it didn't take too long before it, it really started to lessen a lot. Because when you feel your feelings, they, they get relief. That's all they want is to be noticed and recognized and felt. And so it totally changed that for her. She felt um, less lonely, more connected, and, and satisfied, too, from with her food. I like that. So, yeah, and again, just noticing that anytime you're resisting uh, or you have one of these habits where you're either, you know, judging food as good or bad or you're mm-hmm. eating when you're not hungry or eating way past the point when you're full or you're constantly eating and doing something else, that yes. to notice what that behavior is helping you avoid feeling mm-hmm. or dealing with. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah, and these are all about paying attention to your body and what's happening there. You know, you're practicing by doing it with, am I hungry or, or not? Um, but your your emotions are all in your body, too. So by doing that, you're practicing connecting with your body and what your body has to tell you about how you feel as well as whether or not you're hungry. Yeah, I like it. All right, so, step four. So step four is to put on your plate only what you'll eat. And so what this is about is your preparing food and you know if you're single like me then you just prepare as much as you're going to eat and if you're in a family situation or with more people then you know the food's out there and you you check in with your body um how hungry am i um you know just all the things we've talked about how hungry am i what how much do i need right now how much does my body need right now and serving up what you want. So if there's a dish that you don't really want, then don't eat that one. Um, you know, give yourself more of what you do want. And, and then that's it. That's your meal for the night. Okay. And so this is this, a circumstance where you're at, like, the party, and there's, like, the buffet table. So you're recommending that you get, like, one plate, and you go, and you and you pick up how much and what you want, and then the buffet table is no longer you, you just stay away from that the rest of the night? Or I guess if you're in step one, you go it back anyway? How does uh, Can you just explain that a little more to me? Yeah, sure, definitely. Thank you. Um, it's with all meals, even when you're, you know, the buffet at your own dinner table. Mm-hmm. Um, and or just exactly what you said. Because and the reason why is because, um, one, you know, I imagine some of you have the experience of going back for seconds um, often. And so it's not about denying yourself food. It's what it's about is that feeling that happens when I can't go back for more. Hmm. Because emotionally what this translates into is a fear of not having enough. Right. So right now it feels like I won't have enough food. I What if this isn't enough? What if I'm still hungry? And and for me, I really I experienced a lot of fear around this, and I was like, "What's going on? This is it's just food. I'll have another meal, you know, later. What's what's mm-hmm. going on?" And what's going on is you're afraid of not having enough love, or enough attention, enough money, security, those types of things, because you have enough food. Mm-hmm. You can put as much on your plate as you as you want or, or need, there will be another meal. There's plenty of food right. in the house. It's not food that you don't have enough of. Hmm. Hmm. So this is really about starting to look at where you're feeling lack in your life. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And where that comes from, the childhood. Mm. And, and yeah, a lot of my clients will talk about, you know, food is their friend. And it's, or it's the only way that they treat themselves, that they get time by themselves, you know, mm. that they have. So there is, there's a lack of, of comfort or support or love. Yeah. Yeah. So when you want to go back for more, you have that that feeling. Instead, sit with that feeling. And, you oh, know, wow. this is not about food. What is this about? Mm-hmm. Where does this familiar? Mm-hmm. I love that, Anne. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And um, can you also speak to, because I, th- I know one of the things that um, people might be wondering about and dealing with um, that I certainly bump up against is, I'll get my plate of food, uh, like in a restaurant, you know, I'll order my meal. And we all know, like, restaurant portions these days are just, some places they're just really out of control. They're, uh, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And and I have the, you know, if it's on your plate, you eat it mentality, right? Yeah. The clear, yeah. clean your plate mentality, I guess we'll call it. And so, yeah. you know, one of the things I've started to do is ask for a to-go box right at the beginning. And mm-hmm. I just kick out as much of it as I think, okay, once I have what's mm-hmm. left on my plate, actually looks like what I want. But I still mm-hmm. see that. Like, I still see those moments where it's like, I'm actually kind of full. And this may just go back to your other bit, but I'm feeling a little conflicted between the eat what's on your plate and the stop when you're full if you have a little bit of this um, clean your plate um, upbringing or mentality. Can you speak to that at all? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when you're checking in with your body and it's like, okay, I'm full, then absolutely right. Anything that's left over, it's like, okay, I'm I'm going to take that to go. And, and I love that you gave that example, too, because – a lot of times I think people forget that you can eat it later. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always tell people the freezer is your friend. You know, freeze. <laughs> the, I used to freeze cake slices, you know, so that I could pop it in the microwave, whatever I wanted, a piece of cake. Nice. And so it, it's there later. It's always there for later. Um, so so that was great. And if that's something that you that you have going on, what I would suggest is to always leave something on your plate Hmm. because that's going to bring up any of those feelings um, that came from that or, you know, those triggers. And even if it's a pee, you know, (laughs) it doesn't have to be um, a lot. You know, if you're hungry, eat it, but leave a pee on your plate and see what feelings that triggers. And the great question to ask all the time is if it's not about food, what is it about? If I'm having a feeling and I think it's about food, it's not about food, okay, what is going on? What am I feeling? Is this familiar? I love that. I hope everybody got that. Yeah, if it's not about food, what is going on? If it yeah. can't be about food, what else could it be? Yeah. Right. That's exactly. really nice. All right, what is uh, step five? Okay, so step five and six are, and seven a little bit, but step five and six are, um, the body image steps. So, you know, body image and food issues just go together. And when you work on your issues with food, the, it will definitely improve body image. Um, but keep in mind, body image tends to be a bit harder to, you know, like the food stuff is, is comes first. Usually the body image stuff comes later. Mm-hmm. Because our culture is so... Uh, critical and um, and 
what's the word I want, discriminatory against body sizes. And so so there's a lot of feelings around that. Um, but anyway, but and so work on the food issues. That will help with the body image issue. Because you can imagine, I mean, if you're no longer binging, you're going to feel better about yeah. your body. Yeah. Um, and there are some things that are really important when treating your body well and feeling good in your body. And the most important thing is to only wear clothes that you love and that fit. Mm. It's so common for women to wear clothes that don't fit, that are and usually too small. Mm. Um, there's this belief in our culture that if we beat ourselves up enough, we'll want to change. And this couldn't be further from the truth. It doesn't work. So I think that's why women do it. One, you know, there's this feeling like, well, if I need a bigger clothes, then, you know, I'm bad and I'm wrong and 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 sad and you know all those those feelings that go with that that we mm-hmm. talked about. And so they think that, well, if I keep wearing these pair of pants that are too small, then it'll motivate me to lose weight. Ah, right. And, yeah, we all have that five, six pair of jeans, right? <laughs> exactly. And somehow, you know, it'll motivate me. <laughs> but it won't. All it is is screaming at you, you're fat. And, you know, I'm sure everybody's experienced this. When you wear a pair of pants that's too tight, how can you not focus on your body and think, oh, my God, I'm so fat. Oh, my God, I should look at my rolls. You know, it's it's like this running commentary. But the next day, you wear a pair of pants that fit and – you know, you may have some stuff because you've got body image um, challenges, but a lot of that's going to go away. So I don't want your clothes to be telling you that you're bad or fat or something's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. As well, when you wear clothes that you love and that fit, you're going to feel good. Um, it kind of reminds me of going to the salon. You know, I go get my hair cut, and the person who cuts my hair, he's great at styling my hair. It always looks good. You know, he's a professional. He can get all the way around my head. And I walk out of there just feeling, like, really beautiful and really great. And so that's that's the intention here. Put on something you love. Dress up and go to the grocery store. And feel good about what you're wearing. And you don't have to 100%. You know, this is just about, in a way, it's, Fake it till you make it. At least give yourself the chance to experience. You know what? I look good. I feel good in what I'm wearing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and you know, you and I uh, had a brief conversation about this, but um, and also it's such, it feels like such a losing battle. Particularly, I don't. You know, we've been talking about how men's um, clothing might have this starting to happen as well, but particularly in women's clothing, sizes change so much from store to store. That if you're relating your self-worth and your value to what size pants you have, um, it's going to be tough because in this store you're a size 8, in this store you're a size 12. You know, you didn't gain weight walking from one store to the other. Yes. Yeah. And um, what I tell people about that, and that's the next step, is to to get rid of the clothes or clothes that don't fit or that you don't love and go shopping and find things. And and which can be really scary for women, um, but what – What's important, and I want all of you to know, is all the only reason the size ever matters is so that you can walk into the dressing room with something that's likely to fit. Mm. That's it. It's it's a way to, you know, it's so that you don't get something that there's no way it's ever going to fit and why bother putting it on. You, right. Your time is more valuable than that. 
so that's all it matters. And you're right. The clothing, you know, the vanity sizing is not what they call it. I don't know. Um, those are just tricks, and they leave you feeling bad about yourself, but they're just the, you know, fashion tricks to sell. Anyway, um, so the size doesn't matter. It's not about who you are. Um, what's important only is that you feel good in it, you love it, that it fits. Mm-hmm. And bring a friend with you so that you can get um, another opinion about it. I have one client, actually. She took a friend shopping, and she never had a good experience shopping. So this is really scary for her. But I told her, find a friend that you really like and that you trust and that's, you know, that's kind. And so she did, and they went shopping. She had a great time. And even got home, and her friend had to leave early, so her friend said, take pictures and, you know, send me the pictures of what you chose. And um, so she did. She took pictures of all the outfits, and um, which brought up some other feelings, which was great. She felt those feelings. She had those and really got a, a very healing experience around this for the very first time in her life. So... And she actually, she bought a bikini, too, for the first time in probably forever. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so it's really great. And then to wear those clothes and show them off, and um, it's it's a treat for yourself, and you all deserve that. Mm -hmm. And I promise, no matter what size you are, when you feel great in, in your body, people are drawn to you. And you look beautiful, and you are beautiful. Um, you know, it's just when we feel bad about ourselves or in our body, that's when, you know, people are not drawn to us. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say the, 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 the other side of wearing clothes that are too small is sometimes we end up wearing clothes that are just too big. We think we can hide and cover up mm-hmm. in that. And so really... Uh, you know, I went through this, I think, probably about two years ago and, and really just went through and said, okay, like, how do I want to express? I stopped thinking of clothes as being a representative of my size or my shape, but a way of me expressing my character. And I did a little um, kind of a vision board for my, my fashion self, my, you know, my look. And, you know, there were pictures of Audrey Hepburn and there was, you know, certain colors and a certain feel. <laughs> And mm-hmm. and what that did for me is, yeah, when I went out to the store, I stopped feeling overwhelmed and scared by all the choices and then what, you know, what size and what shape and all that. And I just started thinking about, like, when I pick up this shirt, does it make me feel or does it express something about me that I, I yeah. want? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, my whole wardrobe changed. Yeah, yes. Yes, and that's what I've heard from my clients, my I'm wearing colors, and I haven't mm-hmm. worn colors in years. And I went to the store in a, you know, a sleeveless shirt, which I never do. And they feel really good about just caring about what they want rather than afraid of what everybody else is going to think. Think. I love that. Yeah. Great. Okay. So then, um, so so um, step five is wear clothes that fit fit and you love, and then step six is get rid of those clothes that you don't love or that don't fit, um, what's step seven? Step seven is to ditch your scale. Just get rid of it. Uh, you don't need to weigh yourself. The doctor doesn't need to weigh you. The scale is only a box of numbers that tells you, at least at this point, um, how to feel about yourself. Hmm. 
And that's I all a scale this is. Step. I love, love, love <laughs> this step. <laughs> At first I was skeptical, and then I've been trying it for like a week. I'm like, you know what? No scale. Yeah. I'm not. I'm just going to put it away. And, man, you're so on to something. So tell us more. Yeah. yeah. All the scale is is a way to uh, to tell you how you feel. It's an evaluation of your self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And it means nothing. Um, so letting go of that, you know, of course it'll it'll bring up that mostly I think kind of this fear of being out of control. Absolutely. And yeah, and especially when you're you're doing these steps and you're you know, a lot of people actually tell me I know I've gained weight. And I would challenge that. I think the fear of gaining weight is so strong that you're looking for any evidence that it's true. Mm. And the scale seems to be the the best place to go for that. Yeah. But you know that when you get on the scale and you've lost a couple pounds, it's like, woohoo, suddenly I'm good. I'm better. I'm, you know, people are going to like me. And you may not be totally conscious of that thought, but that's what's going on. Right. Like your self-esteem is. Yeah, exactly. But then you, if you get on the scale and you gain weight, then it's like, I'm bad. I'm worthless. You know, I'm, I'm failing. Yeah. And all it is is a number. And it doesn't mean anything about your health either. And I'm not going to talk a lot about that tonight, but I just want to throw it out there. The BMI scale is bogus. <laughs> it's, really? Interesting. It's, okay. It's two numbers, your height and your weight. It's supposed to tell you how, oh, right. what your health it is. Take into account all sorts of other important factors. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I absolutely believe in um, health at any size, and it's a movement. You can look it up if you're if you're interested. If anybody's interested, but. Um, anyway, so your weight is meaningless. Even when you go to the doctor, just say no to being weighed. Um, and most of the time now, I, I've been doing this for years, and more and more I, I don't get any any flack for it. Most of the time they're like, okay, no problem. Oh, um, I like that. Yeah, but it is really scary. But it's, it's standing up for, no, this is, this is what is right for me, mm-hmm. and I don't need to do what you think. I, you know, because doctors are authority figures, and so sometimes we tend to do what they say, but everywhere in, in your life. So this is about empowering yourself to say no. Yeah. I really love this, Anne. You know, I um, have always had a kind of a muscular build in some ways, and so mm-hmm. I always weigh more than what people think I weigh. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you get on a scale and you go, what, how can that be? Like, I don't mm-hmm. feel that weight. I don't, like, my body feels good. I feel comfortable. And so then you start punishing and um, yes. and and dreading, you know, like dreading mm-hmm. that, getting up in the morning or once a week weigh in and, and all mm-hmm. of that. And, I, yeah, I've really, I took this one on this past weekend. And it is really oh. amazing when you stop, uh, like, having that digit in your head and you just start noticing, mm-hmm. like, how does my body feel today? And, mm-hmm. you know, do these clothes feel a little tight? Well, okay. Then, mm-hmm. you know, either I'm going to ditch them because, like you said, you get rid of the things that don't fit. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, oh, you know what, I can I can choose some things today that are going to help me kind of regulate. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Absolutely. And also, as you go along, there may be a time where you, and this is very common, um, kind of feel like, oh, my gosh, I need to get on the scale. I need to check. And so that's great because what that tells you is you're feeling um, uncomfortable or, or bad about yourself somewhere your self-esteem is being challenged. Mm. 
And so what you're trying to do is feel better about that by jumping right. on the scale. But instead, stay with that feeling. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. All right. So everybody, toss those scales. Throw them out. Uh, Okay. Step number eight. And actually, before we go into step number eight, I actually want to go back to um, the closed um, step because I have an invitation for everybody. And that is at least one time, you might want to do it more, but at least one time, Go out in the world, dress, you know, in something that you feel great in, that you love, that fits, and then go out in the world and um, feel and act as though and just take on the feeling of I am hot. <laughs> People are looking at me and saying, ooh, girl, you look hot. Just, and think until you make it, just bring that place up where you do feel that way, even if it's a tiny little bit. Mm. And what you'll notice is your your posture takes on that position. Um, people probably will notice you. And if they do, if anybody looks at you or just assume that they're looking at you saying, wow, she looks exactly. great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's really great. So I, I invite all of you to do that, um, and you might get addicted and want to do it more. I had someone laugh at me saying, oh, my gosh, that will never happen. But sure enough, she she loved it, and she did do it more. Um, and another client, she just did it in her living room first and didn't think she'd ever do it again. But a few days later, found herself in the parking lot, walking up to the store, just going, I'm, I'm hot. And anyway, so it's it's really great. And, and what it'll show you is that your feeling about yourself has, it's, it's all about you. Mm. You know, that you, you can choose to feel great in your body. And, and it's not always that simple. All those feelings get in the way too. Um, but, but try this. I, I think you'll like it. I like that. Yeah. And if, uh, you're out there listening and you have an experience that you want to share, then please, um, you know, email that to me or Anne, and uh, we'd love to hear your experiences with that exercise that she's just given you. Absolutely. So, good. And speaking of exercise, step number eight. Yes, so step number eight is about exercise, and, of course, um, exercise is, you know, a, I believe in health at any size. You can be any size and be healthy. Um, dieting is not what makes you healthy. Being thin is not what makes you healthy. Um, and studies do show this. Um, again, I'm not going to get into it. It's a whole other um, talk, but um, hopefully it'll trust me on that, although I know it's different than what you've been told. Anyway, but however, exercise is important for health, um, and I don't think anybody will refute that. However, you don't need to exercise a lot for it to be healthy. In fact, um, people that I work with, and um, I guess it's all of you, can relate to either being an over-exerciser or an under-exerciser. And that's because, obviously, we, we have this belief in our culture that, you know, um, you have to exercise to lose weight, or if I eat that, then I have to exercise mm-hmm. it off. You know, it's right. such a common belief. But I, I really want you to separate those two because you can eat whatever you want. You're not bad or anything for eating you know, whatever you want, and you don't have to punish yourself in order to justify it. Hmm. Okay. Exercise is not about getting rid of something. It's about giving to yourself what your body wants and craves and needs. It's about self-care. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Your body wants to exercise. It wants to move. And it doesn't have to be exercised. Um, it, it can be play and fun, and it should be. In fact, this step is about only doing exercises that you love, that you enjoy, that you want to go and do. Um, so that's really important for this, especially if you're an under-exerciser. Okay. Now, um, the two categories. So if you tend to... Um, but if you tend to, um, to over-exercise, you exercise too much, you do it because you need to to get rid of what you've eaten, you know, as a punishment, um, your step in this is to rest, is to not exercise. So if you exercise five times a week, take a day off, and instead of exercising, sit on the couch and feel whatever comes up. It'll probably at first sound like a lot of um, criticism. Um, maybe it, you'll recognize it as someone's voice, your mom or your dad. Or, for example, I had a client whose mom would tell her she had to go for a jog and then follow her in the car as oh she did goodness. this. Yeah, so as you can imagine, she doesn't like to exercise now. No, not really, yeah. Yeah, so um, sit on the couch, and as you sit and do nothing, if you're an over-exercise, you're probably going to have a lot of feelings about that. So feel the feelings. And if you tend to under-exercise, there's a lot of reasons for that. And my guess is um, actually sexual abuse trauma is an element of people who resist exercise. Um, so, so my guess is that um, a lot of people listening experience that. So for you, um, first of all, take as much time as you want not exercising and feel those feelings. But then at some point, you're going to want to exercise because our bodies want to move. And it doesn't matter what you do. All that's important is that you do something, that you walk around the block if that's where you want to start. And then it'll find something that you enjoy. And even if you don't want to, do it anyway. And then let yourself, you know, experience what feelings come up. You know, for this person I mentioned, you know, it was a lot of, is feeling bad about herself and not good enough. Um, and so, you know, working through that um, from her mom being so punishing around exercise was really important so that she could get to a place of, I want to do this. I enjoy walking, and it's fun for me. Okay, got it. Yeah, and can you say a little bit more about the connection between under-exercise and sexual abuse, like where that why that's the case, why people who've been sexually abused tend to under-exercise? Yeah, definitely. Um, One is exercise, um, well, let me give you an example, actually, of a client. Um, She overheard, she was sexually abused as a child, and she overheard a couple of boys, she was fairly young, saying, talking about um, a a fat girl, you know, we wouldn't touch her with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. And that very moment, she stopped exercising. She yeah. intentionally gained weight. Um, she just didn't want to have any kind of sexual attention at all, and that was her way of solving that. Um, it's also that um, movement can bring up a lot of feelings. Mm-hmm. And so there's, you know, they're um, wanting to avoid the feelings that get triggered by the movement. Right, like really being in your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, got it. Okay, so uh, stop moving if you're moving too much and get up and move a little if you're not moving at all. Yes. Okay, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Got it. 
right. And do what you love, which is and really important because love. this is, yeah, this is about having fun and wanting to do more of it, yes. uh, not about a punishment. Good. What's, uh, what's your exercise of love? What do you do? I love yoga. Yoga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mine's dancing. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Love okay. it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And would it, it's hard to believe we're here at the end. It's step nine. Yay, step nine. Okay, step nine is my absolute favorite one. Um, this is actually the one that my um, mentor and friend told me to do that I mentioned in the beginning. You know, mm-hmm. do this and, and eat whatever you want, the two combined. And it was, it's it's just an incredible step. It's my favorite one. Um, because it, what it teaches is boundaries. And um, if anybody has questions about boundaries at the end, please ask me because I, I know and I'm, I'm sure you talk about it a lot too, Rachel. But, you know, boundaries are, they help us to feel safe. Mm-hmm. We know where the line is. We know when it gets crossed. We know when other people cross that line yeah. and, and where it is. It helps us to feel safe. And this step is all about that. Okay. It's also about abstinence. So, if you're an alcoholic and you decide, I can't do that anymore, it's killing me, and you stop drinking, it's very clear. You mm-hmm. are drinking or you're not drinking. But with food, it's a little more challenging, right? Yeah, I have to that. eat to survive. So yeah. people get stuck with this a lot. And actually, I think it's better to be a food addict than an alcoholic because alcoholics can never drink again if they choose that route. But we can always eat. I can always have a piece of cake. Um, but this step, it, the way to bring in abstinence is through this step, and that is to eat three meals a day and nothing in between. Okay. Now, a little caveat, it can be four. Um, it can be five, even though I don't necessarily recommend that. It, it just depends on your body and your metabolism and right. your lifestyle. But the important thing is, is to pick a number and stick with it. Hmm. Because what this does is gives you a boundary. This is meal time. And the rest of the time is lifetime. It's feelings time. It's relationships time. It's it's the stuff that happens when you're not eating. Mm. And it also really helps with the, you know, going back to eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. If you eat three meals a day and you take care of your, you know, hunger needs, um, then you're going to, you know, in other words, you eat enough protein to last for, you know, four or five hours. Um, then you're going to be hungry again when it's time to eat. Got it. Okay. So it's um, so now I know people with like busy lifestyles and things that are going on. It's really it can be really challenging to have like okay, this is my meal time every kind of a, every day. So is it is it about eating at a particular time every day, or is it more about well, even if I have lunch at three o'clock, that's my lunch. And then I have my dinner, and maybe dinner's at, you know, 7 o'clock sometimes, maybe it's at 8, maybe it's at 9, but really just being very conscious about um, the number of meals that you're having. Exactly. And it, and it is about planning, and it's about taking care of your needs and, you know, what works in your life. And, and, really, and so at first, um, people really kind of plan for this. It's like, okay, I'm hungry, you know, at 8 in the morning, so I'm going to eat breakfast then. And then I go to work and my lunch is at noon, so I'm going to eat enough at breakfast so that I'm hungry at noon. And then, um, you know, dinner is usually around, you know, 6 o'clock. And um, so they kind of think about it and plan for it. 
And a lot of that is because it's it's scary to do this. Like, well, what if I don't eat enough? And and people do tend to eat too much at first until and it's, and and the plan right. is just about learning too. It's not about being critical. Oh, I blew it. It's it's just about okay. It's you know paying attention and learning. Um, mm-hmm. You know, okay, that didn't work. What can I do differently the next day? Okay. Um, so it's really about and, cutting down or cutting out, not just cutting down, cut, cutting out that in-between meals, um, kind of grazing, snacking, kind of yes. stuff. Okay. Yes. But Which you is can't have emotional eating. Right. It's not even really about being hungry. But if you're right. somebody, for whatever reason, because of your blood sugar levels, you really need to kind of have food a little bit more often throughout your day, um, you just decide that. You say, okay, I'm going to have, you know, four meals. And that's my number, right. and that's what I'm going to yep. do. And then you stay committed to that and notice, okay, when it's not that time, this is a no food. I love that. This is a life relationship being time. I love that. When it's not food time, it's life and relationships and being time. That was that was yes. great. Exactly. Okay. It becomes really clear. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm wanting this food, but I know I'm not hungry. What's bothering me? Yeah. Okay. And it's also saving, you know, food, like someone at work brings in donuts and you really want a donut, but it's not your meal time. Grab a donut and set it, you know, somewhere where you can have it with lunch. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's, it's, it's a way to take care of yourself and your needs, um, but also having a boundary around it. Okay. So yeah, and, you know, one of the things that I think is so key in that, um, I'm sure you run into this working with your clients as I do with mine, is really it's learning to be able to trust yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to know that when you say, this is what I'm going to do, this is where my line is, that you can follow through with that and mm-hmm. how that really helps to build that confidence. And, and, again, going back to that choice that, you know, it's really about what you want to be choosing. Yeah, yeah right? absolutely. Thank you for tuning in and joining us today. I hope you gained so much from our conversation with Anne today. And remember that you can always visit rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and to explore the other resources available on the site. And please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. We have so much more to share. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, take good care of you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.